What's up, everyone, and welcome to episode 8 of Drew Sword No Science. I'm Drew, and thank you for listening. So, this week, we're going to talk a little bit about astronomy, a little bit about a new figure of physics, James Clerk Maxwell, and we're going to talk a little bit about the upcoming SpaceX mission happening on this upcoming Wednesday. So, let's get into it. So, this first article is from Scientific American. Astronomers get earliest ever glimpse of ancient giant galaxy. So, uh, a giant galaxy like our own has been spotted in uh, been spotted early in the universe, uh, and it's challenging what we currently know and think about galaxy formation. So. Uh, the standard standard models of galaxy formation say that gas collects in and around halos of dark matter, and we've talked about halos in uh, previous episodes. Um, and it all gets very hot, and it funnels down into the heart or the center of this new gal- galaxy. And then once the galaxy starts to cool, then the formation of stars uh, can begin. But new simulations suggest that. Uh, some of the galaxy could be relatively cold to begin with, uh, making star formation happen, ha- making star formation happen much uh, earlier in the galaxy's lifetime. Now, this galaxy found has a lot of cold gas, and they say that if it had. Uh, been formed by hot mode accretion, uh, it wouldn't be there. Now the claim is that uh, most first generation galaxies were formed cold and researchers have wondered for a long time whether uh, the gas in these earliest galaxies uh, was hot or cold. Now one problem found in the past was that they needed to study the biggest and the brightest galaxies uh, to obtain good data. And most of these galaxies uh, they found to be very hot. And one of the one of the reasons they had to look at these galaxies is because they were a lot easier to see across vast cosmic distances. But they uh, this team decided to use the Atacama Large Millimeter array aka alma in chile to look at galaxies in front of quasars which are the brightest known uh, objects in the universe so as the light would pass uh, through the galaxy some of the gas from the galaxy would absorb some of the light and create what they would what they called these shadows but uh, really it was kind of creating uh, spectrum lines uh, now, observations from Hubble also showed that the gas blocking the quasar light came from the outer uh, edges of the galaxy, which is opposite of what uh, one would think, because on the edge, you would expect the gas to be a lot less thin, and in the middle, be a lot less thicker. So the thicker gas would be a lot better at absorbing that light. 
Uh, and this is suspected to be uh, one of the funnels of gas um, in the galaxy, but more research will continue to be done on this matter. All right, so next we're going to move into talking about our newest figure of physics. This is James Clerk Maxwell. He was born in 1831 and he died in 1879. He was a bit of an intellect when he was a child and he even had one of his geometry papers uh, presented at the Royal Society of Edinburgh when he was just a kid. At age 16, he enrolled at the University of Edinburgh studying optics and after about three years, he went to Cambridge University's Trinity College. And after teaching there a little bit, he eventually moved to Marishikal, something like that, I can't really pronounce it, uh, <laughs> college, as part of their physics faculty. Um, and then later on in life, he uh, also went to, uh, I believe it was Aberdeen, and then eventually he... Uh, also did a lot of his research at home when he wasn't a part of any faculty. But now I'm going to talk about uh, just a couple of the things that he did. Uh, he was the first to really come up with the idea that Saturn's rings uh, were made up of particles. And this wasn't really uh, uh, confirmed until the 20th century, so within the 1900s. Uh, he also, uh, his biggest contribution to physics is Maxwell's equations, which are the four equations that you can see behind me. And what these did uh, was basically set the foundations of classical electromagnetism, optics, and electrical circuits. And Einstein says that he owes his theories of relativity to these equations. He said without those, relativity uh, would not be a thing. Um, so that's kind of all I'm going to talk about him. Obviously, he did a lot more. And if any of that was interesting to you, as always, please look it up. But the next thing that I'm going to talk about is the upcoming SpaceX launch on Wednesday, May 27th at, I think, like 4.33 p.m. It's supposed to uh, uh, take off. But this is a big moment in, in history, in sp specifically spaceflight history. And it's a big moment in, it's the beginning of a new era in spaceflight history and specifically a new era of American spaceflight. So this is, this is big for many reasons. One being that this is the first launch of astronauts by a private company. Before this, everything has been done by, uh, in America, everything has been done by NASA. You know, from the beginning with uh, the Gemini and Mercury programs, 
all, all by NASA, the Apollo program, all by NASA, Skylab, all by NASA, the space shuttles, all by NASA. And now privatized space uh, companies have been around for a minute, but they've only been cargo missions, uh, launching satellites, cargo missions to the International Space Station, things like that. And this is the first time that uh, humans will be launched by a private space company. And that's a pretty big deal, seeming how just a few years ago, some of the biggest names in human spaceflight history said that this would never be a thing. Said that the the privatization of space, especially human spaceflight, wouldn't happen. And now it is. And another one of the big reasons uh, that this is so important is that this is the first uh, launch of humans on American rockets from American soil since 2011. And that was uh, STS, I believe, 138. So that was the last space shuttle mission in in the summer of 2011. And since then... Uh, we've been having to pay millions and millions of dollars to pay for seats, to buy these seats on the Russian Soyuz. We will now have that access back of getting to space on our own rockets. And, you know, and this is kind of the beginning of this new era because... After this, it's not really going to stop for the, I mean, pretty far foreseeable, foreseeable future. You know, SpaceX already has missions scheduled uh, to continue to take astronauts up to the space station. And then soon, within the next couple of years, we'll see the testing of the SLS uh, rocket, the Space Launch System, which is NASA's uh, new project. And then we'll see the Artemis program up and running, hopefully. And that's going to work on taking astronauts back to the moon, landing the next the next man and the first woman on the moon. And really, this is, this is it. This is the first stepping stone of that. And I find it very exciting because this is a subject that I'm very passionate about. And I think it's fantastic because in terms of spaceflight, America can get its pride back. You know, from the beginning of NASA's history and the space race and everything, it was all politically fueled. You know, we wanted to beat the Soviets in everything we did uh, in terms of space. And they launched the first satellite. They launched the first uh they had the first human in orbit uh i'm pretty sure they did the first uh spacewalk they beat us in a lot of things in that uh period in the space race but they didn't beat us to the moon and you know the sad thing is is it because it was so politically fueled you know interest in it since then has decreased a lot because we no longer have these politically fueled agendas to get into space. 
you know, after the first, after Apollo 11 landed on the moon, every other moon mission was broadcasted just as Apollo 11 was, but ratings decreased by a significant amount because people, people stopped caring. People stopped, they, they lost interest. And, you know, a sad thing is, is a lot of people didn't even know that for the past almost 10 years, we've been going to Russia to launch astronauts. A lot of people thought we still were, or they just didn't care enough. And it's, it's the sad reality of it. And yeah, some people truly don't care and aren't as interested in science and space exploration and all that stuff. But, you know, from the beginning of time, humans have been explorers and the, their, the final frontier of human knowledge and exploration, it, it always needed to be pushed. Someone or a group of people always had to keep pushing it. And for the most part on this planet, it has been done. But so the next step then became space. And now with, I think with this launch, it's really bringing in this new era, this new, this new, uh, how should I say, this new push this new push to further this frontier that we call space because with this launch it's the beginning of like i said relaunching humans from american soil but it's also the beginning of this new time where soon after this we will see the Artemis program and we will be working on going to the moon and staying on the moon by creating colonies on it. And then using that, using that, using the moon as a stepping stone to get to Mars, which is going to push this human frontier of space exploration even farther. And it's just a very exciting moment in space exploration history and American history and human history. And it's just going to get more and more exciting. Uh, so that's my little rant on that. But uh, I think that pretty much wraps it up for this episode. If you found any of it interesting to you, uh, again, as always, please look it up. If you haven't listened to the past episodes, please go do so. Everything I talk about then is still very relevant relevant today. And if you're not busy on Wednesday, check out the SpaceX Demo 2 launch. Uh, hopefully, weather is pretty good. I think the last time I saw, like two days ago, it was a 40% chance of a go for launch. Um, so hopefully, weather holds out and all goes well. But yeah, that wraps it up. We'll see you next week. Peace.